Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. We're here with Andrew Bryant. He's the author of Self-Leadership, 12 Powerful Mindsets and Methods to Win in Life and Business. It's great to have you with us. Hi, Taryn. It's a pleasure to be here. So this is actually your second book on self-leadership. Clearly, you're passionate about the subject matter. Why? Why self-leadership? Well, I think we all have the potential to be the best version of ourselves. Uh, Unfortunately, we don't get the handbook when we're born on how to be the best version of ourselves. And we... We get born with a whole bunch of frames of mind from our parents, our culture. And so self-leadership frees you up to choose how you want to be as a human being and to be successful in your life. Okay. So let's just back up. So if someone said to you, Andrew, what is self-leadership? It's the title of your book. How do you define it? Well, I wrote a book in 2012 with Dr. Anna Kazan, and we define self-leadership as the practice of intentionally influencing your thinking feeling, and actions towards your objectives. Okay. So how do you do that? That's what the 12 powerful mindsets and methods encompass? They are. So you have to have self-awareness to know what your existing mindsets or frames of mind already are. So self-leadership starts with that self-awareness. And with that, then you can become intentional about what it is you want to achieve. So who is this book for then, as as you were writing it? Who who is the ultimate reader? Is this for someone who's already a leader, is trying to become a leader? Is this for someone who is reporting to a leader? The answer is yes, both of okay. us. <laughs> I so, love when I ask a question, or, or, or and you go, yes. <laughs> yes, I, I could have stopped that. Yes, right. and. Uh-huh. So it's, so I, you know, I'm a coach to senior leaders, and they all need to develop self-leadership. Often somebody gets to a leadership position um, and then hits a glass ceiling because, you know, what got them there won't get them to the next level. They, they hit that barrier. So they need some self-awareness to break through that. The function of leadership is not to create more followers, but to create more leaders. Hmm. So many of the leaders I coach then use my book or these methodologies to bring up their team to increase their leadership bandwidth. Okay. Right. Because I said to you off camera before we started, when I first saw the book, I thought to myself, a a little bit of an oxymoron because leadership to me is leading others, but the word self in there seemed like a, you know, an introspective concept. So how do you combine self with being a leader? Well, you know, leadership starts with self. You can't lead somebody else if you're not leading yourself. You know, do as I say, not as I do. Right. And so, so self-leadership is the core. I mean, we, we know we have dysfunctional leaders. Uh, we know the growth of a company is, is completely limited by dysfunctional leadership. Mm-hmm. And, and so they must have self-leadership first before they can invite other people to step up and have autonomy and choice and mm-hmm. creativity and innovation. So you mentioned this earlier, but do you think this is innate in any capacity or this is all taught? Can, is anyone born a leader or, or great leaders today are doing something? We're all born self-leaders, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the whole 
concept of coming into life as its pure potential. Uh, the self-leadership is taken away. Our autonomy, our choice is taken away very early in life. You know, you're told, don't do that, right? So ch children around two and a half years old true. Mm -hmm. create, you know, you hear your child go, mine. You know, right. they take ownership of their personal space. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they're beginning to develop an ego. Ego is not a bad thing. E egotism is a bad thing. So a child is developing a sense of self, and then that gets crushed sometimes by schooling, by parents, uh, by society. Mm -hmm. And so the ability to develop a sense of self, a healthy sense of self, um, is a journey for all of us through life. Mm -hmm. So how are the two books different? Do they follow or are they separate entities? They, they're the same concept from a different angle. The okay. first book I wrote in 2012 with Dr. Anna Kazan is the textbook. It's In fact, it's used on some MBA programs. It's That's our research. It's, it's our research on self-leadership, which right. is an evolution from self-management. So we get to define the concept. This book was, uh, well, it was inspired by my wife who said, could you rewrite the book uh, so that people can read it in an, under an hour? Yeah. Because, because people don't, you want people to read the book, mm -hmm. and people don't read book, big books anymore unless they have to. People don't even read emails anymore. <laughs> well, this, this is true. Right. So this book, you know, you can read in under an hour, yet it's profound. Uh -huh. You know, I receive emails from all over the world saying, oh, this book changed my life. Right. That's and yet it's, it's a small book, uh, but it, because it's distilled, it, it gets the essence very quickly. No, it is. It is very user-friendly. What do you think the biggest mistake is? Someone who says that it changed my life, what do you think they were doing before? I mean, what's the biggest mistake people are making in this capacity? Well, it's very easy to spot the absence of self-leadership. It's, it's blame. It's the mm -hmm. victim mindset. Mm -hmm. it's, it's being random or oblivious to how you're interacting with the world. So very easy. Judgment, blame, randomness are the symptoms of non-self-leadership. And, and just tell us a little more about how, how you came up with it, your background. How did, how did you formulate these ideas? I mean, what's, what's the genesis? Okay, so I have to do the join the dots backwards speech mm -hmm. as uh, Steve Jobs did at right. his commencement. I started my career as a physiotherapist. Um, I graduated in England way back in 1982. Uh -huh. I did a couple of years in hospitals. And then I did what most male physiotherapists do is I, I got involved in sport. I, I was on the medical team of a first division soccer club. I worked with ballet dancers wow. and with Olympic athletes. And I moved from fixing people up to preparing them for performance. performance right. And uh, very quickly you realize there's the physical and there's the mental. Right. Now as a physiotherapist, I'd studied psychology as an undergraduate, but the psychology that we had in the 1980s, sports psychology hadn't been invented, positive psychology hadn't been invented. So I researched and we practiced you know, visualization, hypnosis, neurolinguistic programming, neurosemantics. Um, I even have a postgraduate in traditional Chinese medicine. Wow. So I was finding out what makes a difference. Mm. Then uh, I moved to Australia. I was successful uh, helping people to perform in sports teams. Then my own life took a turn. I, I was an entrepreneur. And my, my industry in health and wellness got disrupted. And in the year 2000, I was broke, mm. uh, lost everything. Wow. And then I had to apply these very success methodologies to myself. And so what works, what doesn't, uh, I, was, I was a test case. Wow. So, so you were the guinea pig. Yeah. So when you, it's easy to help somebody else. It's, it's a lot harder to help yourself sometimes. So you said, I mean, as, a, as a physiotherapist with all these exceptional athletes, so you started, you started treating them physically, but then ultimately it it turned into emotional and mental? Yes. 
So, so that, that became the thing that I got a lot more excited about is what's the difference that makes the difference? You know, two people train exactly the same, but one wins, one doesn't. Right. So what, if you had, in a nutshell, what is it? It is the intentionality. It is the self-awareness of what your strengths and your weaknesses, the acceptance of that. It's self-confidence and something that we talk about in the book called self-efficacy, the, the self-belief to try something new. Mm. A lot of us can be confident in what we do, mm -hmm. uh, but self-efficacy is the belief that we can do something new. Mm. Now, you're confident to do this. This is your profession. You're very good at this. Mm -hmm. um, I'm confident speaking to people one-to-one -one and one-to-many, but I'm not confident when you put a camera in front of me. So I think you're doing great. <laughs> it's very kind of you. But uh, So, you know, I have, to, I have to stretch myself to do something new. So we all need to do that. So you think that's a big, that's a big part of it is, is just sort of self-limitation. Absolutely. People, people limit themselves in so many ways, but they're unconscious often of how they're limiting themselves, right. whether it's through their language. I can't do that. I shouldn't do that. I mustn't do that. Or whether it's just behaviorally and the, you know, an athlete needs to stretch and a business person needs to stretch. As a speaker, you know, you notice on the stage, a lot of ex-sports people become speakers and motivate crowds. And the sporting analogies is good up until a point. Mm -hmm. uh, a game, you know, whether it's 90 minutes, 120 minutes, whatever the sport is, has a singular goal, right? And there's, there's an end point. Um, but in business, right. that, that goal is always moving mm -hmm. and there are multiple simultaneous goals. So I shifted from the sports piece to working with, with business teams, with leaders, and using the same mindsets. Interesting. What, what was the biggest difference working with the athletes versus the business leaders? Because you said it's the same concepts you're applying to both, but I guess it's how they execute them, right? The, the, the difference is the layering of the goal and the culture. So in sport, you, you'll have a, a team culture, right? but you're very clear. You know, I want to win a championship. Right. To win a championship, I have to win a series of games. Or to win a race, there's a finish line. In business, you, there's ambiguity. And the big difference is there's me, there's others, and there's the culture, and then right. there's the organizational goal. So to navigate that as a self-leader is much more complicated. C-Suite Radio. So if someone said to you, what's the difference between self-leadership and leadership, Andrew, how would you answer that? Self-leadership is leading yourself. So by, by leading yourself, you positively influence others. Okay. And that becomes what leadership is. Leadership is influence versus manipulation. Right? You, you, you can manage people, do this or you're fired. Right. right. You lead people by inspiring them through a vision and you lead people by creating a culture where people can step up and be the best version of themselves. So I don't think there's a difference. I think it's a continuum. Right. Is there any real life examples you can give us? Any mentors of yours or someone who does this really well, who made that shift that you can think of that whether what? it's someone... Well, you, famous well, or some, someone personally in your own life? Well, earlier this year, I was speaking in Cape Town, South Africa, and I got the opportunity to do the Robin Island tour where Nelson Mandela was in prison. Mm. And, you know, here's a man that, you know, was driven by a passion as a revolutionary, right. is incarcerated for that. But at Robin Island, locked up in a cell, although his body was incarcerated, his mind was free. Mm. And Love in that. fact, the fellow inmates with with Nelson Mandela, they called Robin Island the, the university. They educated themselves and they became free. Yeah. And so when he was released, he was a true self-leader. He had let go his frames of mind, his anger, his frustration, and focused on helping others. Paradoxically, self-leadership is not selfish. Once you know how to lead yourself, you're not needy, so you have the opportunity to help others. Right, and I'm glad you mentioned that because some people might 
ascertain self-leadership as selfish? Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, every time you jump on an aeroplane, right, the, the steward or stewardess says, you know, should the oxygen mask fall from the ceiling, place over your nose and mouth before assisting others. Right. And they tell you that because if, unless you have the oxygen, mm-hmm. you can't help anybody else. It's a great analogy. So it is. So self-leadership is you need to know what your intention is. You need to know what you need. And then once you've got that done, then, then you, you can be much more, more sharing. I mean, you look at Bill Gates, you know, mm-hmm. he's driven for his business. Now he's in a, a stage of life where he can, you know, he has everything he needs. Mm-hmm. So he can pay it forwards. Yeah. You know, you have Elon Musk who is, you know, building things that are, that are going to be available to humanity after he leaves. We just want to tease the audience a little bit because, the, like we said, the, the book is so user-friendly. It's a yeah. quick read, um, but uh, quality versus quantity. There's a lot to, to get out of this quick read. Um, just the quick process of it all, because I was going to touch upon self-confidence, but just a couple of the things you mentioned, you know, self-awareness leads into self-confidence and self-efficacy, which you mentioned earlier. Is it is it a process that has to go in that order, or is it kind of, is it one size fits all, or what would be your advice on that? Well, those three S's, the self-awareness, the self-confidence, and the self-efficacy are the inner game. Right. And the outer game of, of self-leadership, of course, is the intentionality um, leading to influence and the impact you have in the world. So the inner game that we're playing, self-awareness, who am I, what are my strengths, how am I perceiving the world? The self-confidence is what, 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 how do I express those strengths? We're all, we should be confident. We are the mm-hmm. best version of ourselves. Right. And confidence is incredibly important because it modifies how everybody else perceives us. Yeah, I mean, I would say that's really the backbone of this whole Absolutely. situation you got going on here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you could write the whole book on self-confidence, right. yeah, but there are many books on, on confidence. And, and a lot of people have had their confidence robbed from them. Mm. And also culturally, I mean, as, as you know, I, I've been based in Asia for the last 13 years, and they get very confused around confidence versus arrogance uh, because oh, culturally... Uh, in Asia, you know, humility is a, is a very big thing. People want to be right. humble. Uh, but humility is is not the absence of confidence. Humility is, in fact, not making yourself less than somebody right. else. It's having an accurate, neither overestimated nor underestimated view of your own abilities. Right. right? So you're good at things, and I'm sure there are things you're not good at. Mm-hmm. Right? There are things I'm good at, things I'm not good at. If, if somebody is saying, I'm good at everything, I'm the best, I'm the most wonderful... Then we're going to be a little suspect. Where have I heard that before? Someone uh, mine, but... We're going to be a little suspect around that, right? Uh-huh. So, so confidence is knowing what you what you're good at, and, and when you're confident, you can say, "Well, actually, that's not my thing. I'm not good at that." Right. So, with that self awareness, you can be confident, and then there's no arrogance in that because uh, you're, you're being accurate. Yeah. And if you've if you've done it. Right. It's not bragging, right? I'm glad you mentioned Singapore because you've been living in Singapore for the last 13 years. Yes. Is that right? What, fascinating. How has that impacted your view on the subject matter? Well, it, it's great. I'm English by birth, and then I, I travel to Australia, and then you know, moving to Asia. It totally broadens my horizons because I, I live in Singapore, but I travel across Asia, and you get to know that nobody has, you know, a monopoly on a world viewpoint, mm. right? East versus West. Well, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Um, it, it shows that just different people have just equally valid ways of looking at the world. So it's fantastic, you know, traveling to China or Thailand or Vietnam or, or India and seeing how different people approach life. You also get to see how impactful culture is on what people believe is possible for themselves. Sure. Um, and then here in North America and, uh, you know, seeing the... the 
particularly here in New York, seeing the melting part of mm -hmm. perspectives. So I, I feel now, now, having traveled around the world, you know, I can sort of step back from culture and, and ask, what's working? And just curious, aside from your perspective living in Singapore, people might be wondering, why do you live in Singapore? Well, it was one client that I went to Singapore for, which was Singapore Airlines. So ah. I was living in Australia at the time. <clears throat> Singapore Airlines flew me into Singapore and then flew me all over the world as I, as I put in a leadership and culture change for them. And then I just liked staying there because the airport's easy to get to everywhere in Southeast Asia. Right. Um, and, and now I travel the world and, you know, here I am in New York. And, uh, you know, for me... It's, it's a globe, right. and, and I'm happy to, to move or live anywhere. But I'm sure. really looking forward to spending some more time here in North America. Yeah, but it must be amazing. So you have, you know, you're, you're you're based there, but you're all over the place. So you must have this amazing just influx of all these different influences constantly influencing you. Yes, very much so. And it, it helps you to step back and always check for, for sure. your own bias, for your sure. own viewpoint, and go, does this work? Is this effective? So will that be your next book, Incorporating Foreign Culture? Um, I, I have looked at culture and I have, I have a book that I, I started working on, particularly around leading cultures within organizations. Because, you know, there are many, many books on, on culture of nationalism. But what we have now in a global society or uh, more globalization is, is culture within in business. Sure. Right? So if, if Google sets up an office in, in Shanghai, is it Google culture or Chinese culture? So yeah. the, the challenge is between the national culture versus the corporate culture. And again, it comes down to what's going to allow people to be the best version of themselves so they can be creative, innovative, right. and, and create an impact in the workplace. Well, it's terrific. We're out of time. Just a, a real quick uh, question to end it on. A lot of leadership books out there. Andrew, how would you say yours is different? It's different because it approaches it from the inside out. Okay. And uh, it's something that everybody should get done first. Before you attempt to lead others, make sure you put your own house in order, and this book will help you do that. Yeah, and it's a great read. Like I said, it's user-friendly, and it, and it moves fast. I mean, this took me <laughs> mere minutes, but you get so much out of it. So congratulations. And I know you're working on other books. They're in the works, so we're excited to, uh, to have you come back. Yes. So the one I missed to tell you about is the one on the entrepreneur mindset, and uh, I'll maybe see you next year when that one's out. We'll be here. Thank you again for making the trip. Thank you. And if you'd like more information on the book, just check out our website. It's csweetbookclub.com. That's c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV. Like what you just heard, visit c-sweetradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-sweetradio.com.